Yeah, I'm the bombers of the uh, the group. We have a really good start to the season, get everyone's hopes up, and then uh, kind of drift away after Labor Day. And then Matt Nichols gets injured. Yeah, and then a QB injury, and uh, it's all over. The dream is dead. You had my hopes up. Uh, <laughs> I started cheering for the Riders instead, actually, about midway through the season. It's too bad. Are you ready for some playoff football? And are you ready for some CFL fantasy playoff edition? Because that's what we're talking about. Welcome to the first playoff edition of the CFL fantasy podcast presented by Leo Vegas. Yes, we are playing playoff football at cflfantasy.tsn.ca. You can put yourself in the GM chair and try and make some of the most difficult decisions all year. You've only got two games to choose from. How are you going to build the best possible lineup? Now, Let's uh, say a tip of the hat to our good friend Western Willie, our regular season winner, earned a unique championship ring and a trip to the Grey Cup here in Calgary. He led basically wire to wire, so Western Willie, get ready to pack your bags and come to Calgary. I don't know where Western Willie lives, so maybe he's already here in Calgary, but if he's not, get ready to pack your bags. Uh, So we are getting set for semi-final weekend in the CFL for 2019. Rules are a little bit different. The rosters are a little bit smaller. There aren't as many teams to choose from. Guys, are you ready for some playoff football? My name is Pat Steinberg. He is Jeff Creever. She is Hannah Nordman. Jeff and Hannah, are you ready to change your strategy up for the postseason after 21 weeks of regular season fantasy football? I believe the answer, by the way, is Regina. I believe that's where uh, Western Willie that's is That's where from. Western Willie is? I, okay, I wasn't I sure. I don't know if I'm violating some kind of confidentiality thing here. Um, I guess I guess I'll find out. Well, the good news <laughs> is there are direct flights. There are direct flights on Air Canada and on WestJet from Regina to Calgary. So get your butt out here, Western yeah, Willie. And, and big ups, big ups. Yeah. I'm, I'm in Regina next week, so I'll see. I'll, I'll see if... Uh, if we can book a little, a nice little interview with him and maybe get some tips uh, and, and become a little better at this fantasy thing because obviously he had all the answers all year long. Yeah. Uh, a wire-to-wire winner. You don't see that too often. It's really difficult to be so consistent in this game. Now it's a whole new ball game because we're down to five roster spots for the playoffs, as Pat mentioned. Uh, only two games instead of four uh, each week and a salary cap of $30,000, so a little bit less money to spend uh, as well. And I, the strategy's tough. I mean, I, I struggled in the playoffs last year. It is tough. And, and there are a number of ways you could go with it, especially with some of the price ranges, because you could go cheap at quarterback and load up at receiver and running back this week. You could go with a Zach Caleros at quarterback. Um, sort of the same way, if you remember a year back, we talked about with Brandon Bridge. Remember when Brandon Bridge was starting for the Riders? And he was a really cheap quarterback, and, and a lot of people made the last-minute switch to go with him uh, so they could get expensive players elsewhere. It's the same deal with Zach Caleros this week. And if you want one of those really expensive top-end quarterback options, if you want a Bo Levi Mitchell, uh, who's uh, almost 10000 and Vernon Adams Jr., who's over 10000 It's a third of your salary! Yeah, you're leaving $20,000 left for four other players, including including a defense. 
But that's uh, all of so, them. Like, that's the hardest part is that they're all up around $10,000 except for the wild card in Zach Caleros. Like, uh, this seems like an impossible game. And running backs don't make it easy either. There's a real decision to be made at running back. This game is hard. To me, and this is how things are looking early in the week, but to me, the strategy looks like you go QB1. You go one of the three expensive guys at quarterback. I'm not, I'm not crazy. I know we talked about We had the whole Zach Caleros argument last time out. We'll debate that again. I'm not crazy about it. In the playoffs, I want to go with a big name. So I'm going QB1, one of those expensive guys. I'm going with a pretty good running back. And then in my flex, I'm getting a $2,500 player. I'm going with that shot in the dark, uh, that guy that's going to give me the cap relief uh, to, to try and put together a, a pretty good roster elsewhere. But even that's difficult. Uh, I, even that leaves me unable to get one of those top receivers, like uh, whether you're talking about, uh, forget even Reggie Bagleton, but an Eric Rogers or a Greg Ellingson or mm-hmm. Eugene Lewis. Like Those guys are all out of my price range with the way – uh, that my roster's set up right now. I almost wonder if the I, the one thing that I'm really thinking about, because if you're new to playing playoff CFL fantasy, it's a little bit different. We're, we're cutting the wide receiver and running back position in half, so one of each position and a flex, a D and a quarterback. I wonder what the, like, I'm really thinking about going with a, a stack that I trust. So if it's Vernon Adams Jr. and Eugene Lewis or Bo Levi Mitchell and Eric Rogers or Bo Levi Mitchell and, and Reggie Bagleton. Like, I wonder if you think about finding yourself a good stack that you can trust, get yourself a quarterback and receiver, and then backfill around there. I mean, it's it's tough because there's not a lot of inexpensive running backs. I mean, Shaq Cooper in Edmonton is the one that really jumps off the page to me at under $5,500, but there's not a lot of really affordable running backs and it's not like the defenses are uh the cheapest so it's it's a difficult proposition but if you if you have a couple of sleeper picks and some low cost picks that you like that might be a way to go about it too find yourself a stack that you really like and then build around that well my last playoff strategy note is because you're down to five players including a defense if they don't all hit you're not getting your total this is not the kind of roster where you can have one guy put up a mediocre or bad total of five points and you still do well. You could kind of hide that when you had a $2,500 flex and your seven-man roster, still get away with a 100-point week. That's not happening here. You need to hit on all five of them. We'll talk about all those strategies, including the stacks, which I think is really interesting. Uh, and, and I think Hannah's right. You've got to hit on every player, including your defense. I mean, to me, uh, especially in the playoffs, this is not an option, not playing a defense in the playoffs with a five-person roster. You're bringing yourself down to four if you don't. Um, so we'll talk about all of that, uh, as well as some of those cheaper uh, possible bargain buys uh, that are really going to come in handy for you. Uh, and and possibly some contrarian plays because this is the kind of week where there are certain players that are going to appear on a lot of fantasy rosters. And if you can find that player that's on uh, a really low percentage of rosters and getting down under 5% and he has a really big week, 
that's going to be really advantageous for you. So we'll talk about all that coming up. Uh, first, as we do jump into the playoffs, let's not forget uh, what happened to end the season. We already talked about Western Willie uh, and what he did. But, Pat, uh, why don't you rewind and take a look at Week 21 and how the season closed? Well, it was the most bizarre <laughs> final week of a CFL season that I can remember. It was tough to set your lineups. It was a guessing game early in the week. So look at some of the names that topped the Week 21 leaderboard. Cameron Marshall, Dante Absher, Jonathan Jennings. Like, that tells you how unpredictable Week 21 was. The uh, Ticats running back starting in place of Tyrell Sutton. Cameron Marshall found the end zone twice, scored 28 points, easily the most in Week 21. Even though He's been one of the most productive players this season. Most players avoided Brian Burnham, fell outside the top 25 most picked, yet finished with second in scoring with 22 points. Receivers Hergi Mayala and Tavon Smith also cracked the 20-point mark, while Rodney Smith, Brad Sinopoli, and value pick Marcus Thigpen were in the 18- to 19-point neighborhood. In what may have been the lowest scoring week of the season, the top starting quarterback this week was Bo Levi Mitchell at 13-point three points. It was not a great week at that position. Finally, we always mention bus and there was some uh, big time bus in week 21. Uh, Josh Huff, Jalen Acklin, SJ Green, Shaq Evans, Davaris Daniels, all scored lower than four points in week 21. And uh, if you had them in your lineup, you were not a happy camper. I gotta say, I gotta say, Pat, you, uh, and kudos to this, kudos for this one. Uh, you know when you, you, you're you in a really tense situation in sports and, and you're down to the last minute and you call someone off the bench and they come through and, and unexpected and they just get it done and they win it all for you? I feel like that was Marcus Thigpen for you last week. This came out of nowhere. But Marcus Thigpen, uh, this was the hero pick. This was the pick that put you over the top. You You beat me. You beat Hannah. You're the fantasy champion this year on the podcast among the three of us. Yep. And I, you got me because I, I thought about Marcus Thigpen in the past, and he just wasn't getting it done. And this week I looked at the depth chart, and William Powell was the starter. And I know the Riders have been using Marcus Thigpen more, but goodness, I was watching the Riders game thinking, what does Pat know? It was unbelievable. I do need to say that uh, – there was an internal conversation between the trio of Hannah, Jeff, and Pat, and uh, one of the one of the three of us thought that you know maybe he'd give Jeff or she would give Jeff a, a pep talk and say, "Hey, Jeff, all you got to do is copy Pat's lineup, and then he's there's no way that he can beat you." And, you know, that person may have also talked to Jeff about that on the radio on, on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> and I, I do give Jeff a lot of credit because he did not do it. Um, but I'll say this much. I get you wanting to win and, and have a, the most satisfying win possible. I gotta, if, if I were in your shoes, I would have picked the exact same lineup to guarantee myself a victory. Uh, instead, you went Dominique Davis at quarterback, which kicked you in the teeth, and it reopened the door for me. I, uh, I, I, I thank you for that, but do you, do you feel – I don't feel like you feel any regret for not going that route and, and not guaranteeing yourself the win. I feel not a single 
shred of regret. I can tell you that much. Yeah, that and that makes you a real. That makes you like you manned up. That is good uh, because I I would not have had the integrity to do the same thing. So I do respect you for that. People that know me know I'm an incredibly competitive person, and. I mean, it may not show through this podcast. We all have fun and we, and we prod each other and, and whatever. But I am a competitive person no matter what it is, no matter what I'm doing. And it's like when you're playing someone and they let you win, you know, and, and that's the worst. Nobody likes that. I, I'm not going to take a default or an automatic win. I don't think that's fun. I think it should be like, you know, in, in, in some sports when they're playing the last game of the season, they start all the games at the same time, right, so that you don't know – uh, when, when playoff spots are up for grabs, you don't know uh, what the results of the other games are. I, I think this should have been the three of us are blindfolded. Well, maybe not blind. We don't have to go to that extent. <laughs> but the three of us put in our final week lineups at the same time, uh, submit them, and then that's it. You can't touch them. And I, I think that is probably the fair way to approach uh, the last week of the season because just the nature of everybody's lineups are anonymous. The three of us are in a position where we're, we're putting our lineups out there. And it's, it's tough. I, I'm, I, I feel good about my decision. Even though I took the loss, I feel good about my decision. Congratulations to Pat. And, and just the final standings, Pat with 1,931 points, uh, coming off a 93-point week, which was really impressive. A lot of 60s out there. A lot of 60s. I just held on to win uh, the office pool that we do uh, within our CFL office and, and uh, our, our little CFL family. And... I was getting a little nervous based on how my team was doing, but when I checked the standings, I actually had one of the better scores of the week at 67 in our office. Uh, it was a tough week for a lot of people. Uh, so, Pat, to pull off a 93 in the final week, that's, that was a stellar performance. And, and uh, full points to you for the win. Uh, Pat at 1931, I was second at 1916. Uh, and Hannah, a bit of a drop-off in the second half after coming on really strong in the first part of the season at 1855. But pretty close between the three of us, I, I do say. Continues to be a pretty good parity um, between the three of us, and it was a fun race. Yeah, I'm the bombers of the uh, the group. We have a really good start to the season, get everyone's hopes up, and then uh, kind of drift away after Labor Day. So. And then Matt Nichols gets injured. Yeah, and then a QB injury, and uh, it's all over. The dream is dead. You had my hopes up. Uh, <laughs> I started cheering for the Riders instead, actually, about midway through the season. It's too bad. Before moving on, congratulations to our final weekly winner of the regular season, uh, Mama Deb. I said Pat's week at 93 was impressive. Mama Deb uh, with 129 points. That's incredible. I mean, How that's do we even just, do that with the way week. that scores played out last that's, week? That's insane. Mama Deb, had a, Mama Deb had a crystal ball. I mean, she, she basically had everyone except for Jonathan Jennings from that top spot. If you had Jonathan Jennings, I'm questioning the integrity of the game. Something's going on there. <laughs> something, something happened. But she had Cam Marshall, Brian Burnham, Marcus Thigpen, Tavon Smith, and the Riders defense. So all really, really good picks there. Well played, Mama Deb. Let's move this along. Two games, so not as much to follow. But, uh, but you will want to pay close attention uh, to some of the top storylines this week, especially uh, some of the injuries around the CFL as the two games will kick off on Sunday. Lots of time to figure things out. But Hannah, what's the latest right now? Fantasy Flash, let's go. 
All right, lots to get to. Al's receiver Debeer Posey is questionable for Sunday's Eastern Semi. The 29-year-old speedster has missed the last two weeks due to injury and would easily provide a significant boost to the Alouettes offense. The Eskimos welcome C.J. Gable back to practice this week. Gable says he feels completely healthy and is expected to be the feature back on Sunday versus Montreal. Despite the return of Gable-esque's running back Shaq Cooper could play a role in the offense on Sunday, according to head coach Jason Moss. Cooper was heavily involved with the first-team offense during Wednesday's practice. 14 months after being injured, Kamar Jordan was a regular participant at Stamps practice on Sunday. The veteran receiver wasn't expected to return this season, but isn't ruling out making his debut in the Western semifinal. Eric Rogers remained sidelined at Stamps practice on Wednesday. Aaron Peck took his place last week as Rogers missed the team's regular season finale in BC. There's still a chance Rogers can suit up versus Winnipeg on Sunday. Bob Irving of CJOB reports Zach Caleros will start for the Bombers in Sunday's semifinal. Caleros started the Bombers season finale, earning a win over the Stampeders in his Winnipeg debut. And a quarterback Chris Strebler is questionable for Sunday's contest in Calgary. Strebler would be a backup anyway, though his multiple talents would be a boon for the Bombers offense. Woo! Some really interesting news there to keep an eye on, uh, especially in Calgary, where Kamar Jordan back at practice. That's incredible. Yeah. Who saw that coming? There, there were some people that thought his career was in jeopardy after that injury. I mean, Pat, I'm sure, I'm sure you could speak a, a little more to that. When I saw him at practice uh, and that he was a full participant in practice on Wednesday morning, I was blown away. Like, I know he was starting to work his way back, but I didn't think 2019 was an option. All of a sudden, if Kamar Jordan is an option for the Stampeders, I know they'll have to work with the ratio a little bit, but boy, oh boy, does that throw a completely different wrinkle into the uh, semifinal fantasy options. I, I, that, that is one to keep your eye on 100%. I wonder if it's a little gamesmanship, if we'll be seeing, seeing number 88 on the scout team in Winnipeg this week and if they're, uh, if they're thinking about that going into it. Let's talk about Trevor Harris. Let's start in the East and then work our way West because uh, the East game will air first on Sunday. Uh, An East game involving the Edmonton Eskimos because for the fourth straight season, we have a crossover. The Eskimos trying to do something that no team has ever done, win the Grey Cup as a crossover team. And if that's not difficult enough, Trevor Harris, their starting quarterback for this week, uh, he returns from a four-game absence, uh, came back for one game, then held out of the season finale. So, in short, he's made one start since he was injured on September 7th. One start. Uh, first of all, are you a little bit worried about, about the absence of Trevor Harris? Was it, was it the right move for Jason Moss to sit him, or, or do you think that Rust could come into play there for a quarterback who's barely played over the last, oh, two months or so? If he hadn't played Week 20, maybe, but... No, they weren't playing for anything seating-wise. He knows what he can do. They know what he can do. It's an extra week of rest. Or, no, extra week of rest. Extra week of rest. Why risk an injury when there's one week left? I'm not concerned by that. I certainly, I, I am definitely concerned about it because 
this guy's played one game in two months. Like that, that's a lot to ask for a guy to then just step into a playoff game and be at the level he needs to be. But I don't think, like, I don't think that Jason Moss and the Eskimos were naive to that. Like, I don't think that, you know, the three of us saying, oh, he hasn't played in two months. Oh, you're right. That's a good point. The CFL Fantasy Podcast caught that. No, like, I think that Jason <laughs> Moss knew that, but I, I just feel like, I think this is a Trevor Harris decision. That's an arm injury, and this is a quarterback who needs to he needs to be deferred to in terms of what he needs to be at his best. So I I 100% believe Jason Moss went to Trevor Harris and said, what do you need? Do you want to play this game? Do you want a quarter? Do you want three quarters? Do you want a series? Do you want the whole game? Do you want none of the game? And I think Harris told him, no, I, I would like to sit this one out. Because if, if you're in this situation, the only way the Eskimos beat the Owls is by having Trevor Harris at quarterback and if that means he sits out week 21 then you sit him out week 21 so yes I'm concerned by it but I fully believe that this is the best way for the Eskimos to go about their business now whether or not I'm comfortable starting Harris as my fantasy starter on the fence because I love him when he's healthy and I love the matchup knowing that Montreal was susceptible over the top, but I just don't know if, if I'm comfortable putting a quarterback in with one start over a span of two months. Well, it, it certainly veils this, this whole situation in mystery. That's for sure. I'm with you. If this is a healthy Trevor Harris who's played the entire season, this is a no-brainer for me. He's in my lineup against Montreal, against a secondary that, yeah, the Alouettes defense, give them credit, they fly around out there. But statistically, they give up a lot of yards. They're beatable. But I just don't know. We've seen it in the past. Uh, we've seen it with Ricky Ray back in 2012. He came off a long layoff. Um, I believe it was a shoulder injury. And, uh, no, actually, it was a knee injury. But still, a lot of long, long layoff. And comes back, and, and he wins a great cup. Um, and then we've seen it this year with Bo Levi Mitchell. And, and he looks like the best Bo Levi Mitchell we've seen in his career coming off that, uh, that strained peck. Yet, a couple of years ago, we were talking about a Bo Levi Mitchell who was dealing with an injury and he didn't look the same. Like these, these quarterbacks that are coming off injuries and haven't played, you just don't know what you're going to get. And that game against the Riders two weeks ago for Trevor Harris, that didn't answer anything for me. It didn't, it didn't make me go, oh, well, Trevor Harris is back, he's fine. But it didn't make me... Uh, Inversely, it didn't make me say, oh boy, Trevor Harris is in trouble. He doesn't look good. It, it, I wasn't able to draw a conclusion from that game. So this is the one player, if I had to choose one, this is the player that I, I'm most confused about this week. I'm most on the fence with because my gut is telling me, man, this is a great pick. you gotta have, you got to have Trevor Harris in your lineup. But it could go horribly wrong, too. He might be the contrarian pick because I think a lot of people are going to be against him. I think Vernon Adams, I think Bo Levi Mitchell, and even Zach Caleros because of his salary might end up being the more um, the more confidently used among players. I wonder if Trevor Harris doesn't end up being the top quarterback contrarian pick anyway. And if you're looking to go against a group and say, well, okay, you guys are all going this way, I'll go that way. Maybe Harris is the guy. That's the one thing that is rattling around my brain is that if you really want to maybe throw a fly into the ointment in, in a group that you're playing against, Harris might be the way to do that. Yeah, as it stands, Trevor Harris, the least chosen quarterback of the starting four so far this week. 
Uh, what does his return mean as far as his receivers? Does that have a positive impact on guys like Ellingson, Collins, Daniels? I think it has to. I think it absolutely has to. That offense just wasn't the same uh, when Trevor Harris got hurt. Before Trevor Harris got hurt, it was, I believe, number one in the whole league as an offense. And we saw a Ricky Collins emerge as the CFL's leading receiver for a little bit there in the summer. Uh, we saw Greg Ellingson uh, just putting up really consistent numbers from week to week and even a couple of massive fantasy performances. Uh, and when DeVaris Daniels, he had his injury problems early in the year, but when he got back in the lineup, uh, he showed flashes of being a really dominant receiver. I mean, this is if you're comparing uh, three-headed monsters in the CFL uh, and everybody's healthy, all, all things being told, this has to be one of the best. Up there, possibly with Hamilton, uh, and, and depending on what the stamps are throwing at you, they'd be up there as well. But um, I, I mean, these guys are so good. And when Trevor Harris is on and he's completing a high volume of his passes and he's getting them the ball uh, in situations where they can get those yak yards, yeah, to me, all of a sudden, those three players that were off the table, they're completely on the table at pretty good values considering they haven't done a whole lot since Trevor Harris got hurt. Yeah, if you're looking for one of those stacks that we were teasing a little earlier, that's your best value. Like, if you want to go Trevor Harris and Greg Ellingson or Trevor Harris and Ricky Collins or something like that, like, it's not going to cost you as much as nowhere near what, like, Bo Levi Mitchell and Reggie Bagleton is going to make you pay or anything like that. Like, you're getting Craig Ellingson at $7,500 and you're getting Trevor Harris at 98 Like, that's that's significantly cheaper than, than Bo Levi at 95 and and Reggie Bagleton at 96 So, and, and that's just the top end. Like, if you wanted to go a little further down the line and, and add one of those receivers, you could do it. They certainly are a much more playable option now with Harris back. Let's not forget, when Harris was in, we were talking about which one can you confidently go with each week because it's a three-headed monster. While that can be scary at the same time, it, it, certainly, uh, it certainly gives you the confidence that there's a pretty good chance that two of those three guys are going to go off on, on any given night. Well, those have kind of been the big three in Edmonton. Another guy creeping up, at least salary-wise, is Tavon Smith. He's up at $5,200. Um, over his last three games, though, 17 catches, 216 yards, two touchdowns. So kind of a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately kind of play. Are you buying it? Would you pay that kind of money for a guy like Tavon Smith who – I don't know. Seems like a bit of a gamble. Yeah, that worries me a little bit because with Harris back, I think that he's going to really hone in on his top targets, and especially in a game like this, where I do think there are some matchups to exploit against that Montreal secondary. I, I think that you're going to be talking about Harris hitting his big name. So I actually, I would be a little more wary of a guy like Smith or, or a little more wary of some of the lower-priced options on the Eskimos receiving side of things. The big three are the ones I'd be more interested in. Yeah, me as well. And uh, Ricky Collins actually is, is the one that stands out to me. I like the salary this week, and I like what he's done against Montreal this year. Tw targeted 20 times in the two games against the Owls. Uh, and in that opener, uh, he caught 9 of 12 targets for 175. So um, you're looking at a player with over 250 yards um, in his two games against the Alouettes this year. 
I think it's a pretty pretty good matchup, a pretty fantasy-friendly matchup for Ricky Collins. And uh, as it stands right now, I've got him as that stack with Trevor Harris. So we'll see if I change my mind. But uh, Ricky Collins is jumping out to me this week. Tavon Smith, I'm not ready to put him into that group yet with Greg Ellingson and, and Tavares Daniels and Ricky Collins. I'm, I'm not there yet. On the running back side of the ball, it seems like C.J. Gable is showing up and ready to go. He got his 1,000 yards. They got him a little bit of rest, and he sounds like he's healthy. Second most expensive running back in the game right now, 7300 almost $7,400. And it sounds like it could be a bit of a timeshare. So is he on your radar with that kind of price tag? No, you know who is on my radar? The other guy in that offense, I'm really intrigued Ooh. by Shaq Evans because oh. I think that I, I I think that Edmonton is going to make sure both of them are st- not starting, but both of them are dressed and both of them are options. They're going to have to play with the ratio a little bit to make sure they can go with two uh, two American running backs, but. Jeez, uh, I love Gable, and I think Gable is in- integral to what they do in pass protection, and I still think he's going to be a part of this offense. For, but for big plays and potential um, potential really big fantasy moves, I, I, think, I think Shaq's the guy to go with. I think Shaq Cooper has really won that Edmonton team over. I think he's won Jason Moss over. All this guy has done is produce when he's been in there. So, yes, I think Gable's going to get the start. I think Gable is going to be used at a lot of passing downs. But I wonder if, if there's an opportunity, if they feel like there's something they can exploit, if they're second and three or something like that, I, I feel like Shaq might be the guy that they lean towards. He's the guy I'm really interested in this week. I was at practice this week uh, in Edmonton to cover this game uh, before heading over to Montreal for the game on Sunday. And they had a little bit of C.J. Gable and Shaq Cooper in the lineup at the same time on offense, running a lot of misdirection there uh, and getting those two involved. And, and that's really interesting to me. Uh, I, I think it's I think this offense and the way Trevor Harris operates and the way Jason Moss runs his offense – I think it can work. I don't think it's trying to fit uh, a square peg into a round, ho- a round hole. Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. And, and when you start adding a lot of misdirection uh, and a lot of these uh, stunts that can throw off a Montreal Alouettes defense um, that has a first-time defensive coordinator um, and that's struggled at times this year, I think there's a potential for both running backs to have success. So choosing between C.J. Gable and Shaq Cooper uh, – it's difficult, and I, I like Gable this week. But the usage of Shaq Cooper in practice, it's, it's given me a little bit of pause. Hannah, Hannah what do you think? Are, are either of these two on your radar? Because I don't love the other running back plays this week either. So I am, I am looking at Edmonton myself. Yeah, they, uh, they do interest me, and I go with the lower price tag. I currently have Shaq Cooper in my lineup at 5400 uh, It's a tough week for running backs. You know I tried every way possible to fit Andrew Harris in a lineup. Like, you know I would try to do that. And I couldn't. I couldn't. Not without playing Zach Caleros, which is something I wasn't Yeah, you'd have to, to go do. Zach. Not something I'm yeah. prepared to do this week. So, Shaq Cooper is kind of where I landed because I don't love the other options. And because even if he's only getting half the carries, he's got that big play potential. So, yeah, I'm in. I like the Shaq Cooper play a lot. Like we mentioned, running backs, 
tough this week. And it's not the only share in Edmonton because the Owls look like they're setting up for a timeshare between Jeremiah Johnson and William Stanback. So William Stanback, the most picked player this week so far. Are you guys feeling this one or are we all kind of on this Edmonton train? I'm just worried about Stanback because this has turned into a tandem with Jeremiah Johnson. And Stanback, Jeff, you and I have been on the same page for the better part of this year. This guy might be the most talented running back in the CFL just by straight up talent. But in the second half of the season, partly due to injury, which opened the door for Jeremiah Johnson, and then partly because they liked using kind of that thunder and lightning approach, it just hasn't been, it's been more effective for the Owls as a team, but for us, like, we don't care about that. We want fantasy points, and it has not been anywhere near as effective in that regard. So Standback worries me a little bit from that perspective. It seemed to me that, this was trending towards a William Stanback's your lead back and Jeremiah Johnson's your your change of pace, right? I, you're looking at a ratio of, I don't know, two to one, every, two out of every three touches probably for William Stanback. If that's the case, even if that's the case, is that something you're comfortable going with uh, in a top running back in William Stanback if he's getting two out of every three carries? Not for $7,000. That's what it comes down to for me. The price is just too high for a guy that isn't going to be... Like, if you're if you're splitting 65, 35, or 60, 40 on the snap count, like, for $7,000, that's, that's just too much for me. It seems that they do get both on the field at the same time, which is nice. Which, that is, that is a good thing. And it does seem like Stanback gets most of the rushing carries. Uh, it's going to be really interesting. And we'll have to keep an eye on practice reports. Uh, right now, what I can tell you is that Jeremiah Johnson is barely on anyone's fantasy radar right now. Mm-hmm. And that's really interesting to me because he's the type of back that gets receptions. They use him in the passing game. They love him on the screen game. And the presence of William Stanback has allowed Johnson to have a lot of success uh, as far as breaking big plays. He had a long touchdown uh, in the last game he played against the Argos. Then he sat out the season finale, which I assume – you know, he's got, a little, he's got a little bit of mileage in those legs. They wanted to give him a nice uh, little break before the playoffs, a nice little rest. But um, I'm really curious about the pick trends here because uh, he's not even on the radar for running backs right now. So I'm keeping an eye on that this week. Uh, but as of now, yeah, that Al's running back situation scares me a little bit. The Eskimos have been known for having a really stingy defense. They finished the season at uh, around 301 yards per game, the second best in the league. But if there's one thing we saw with Vernon Adams Jr., it's that he can put up points against any team. So where do you fall? What side of the fence do you fall on in that debate? The good defense versus the offense that seems to get it done. I want Vernon Adams in my lineup so bad because hmm. I, I really think that he this is this is time for Vernon Adams to show what he's all about. This is the most important time of the year. This is what he's never really had an opportunity to do to do at this level. But boy, you know, you go back to his time at the University of Oregon. This guy was a big game quarterback. So I really want him in my lineup and I I am going through all different options to try and get him in my lineup because 
He's the most expensive guy in the game. Uh, he's coming in at 10100 just under 10200 Nobody is more expensive. Uh, Brandon Banks isn't playing this week. Reggie Bagleton's not this high. Trevor Harris isn't this high. So Vernon Adams is the most expensive guy. So you have to get a little creative if you want him in there. But I think it's worth it. And I am really working on different permutations to make sure that I can because I really want him in my lineup. It's an interesting matchup. It's an interesting matchup. And I talked about being on the fence with Trevor Harris. Pat, I know you said the same thing. And if I'm not going Trevor Harris, the guy I'm probably going with is is Vernon Adams Jr. And you said it. Uh, The matchup, what intrigues me about it is the Eskimos blitz a ton. They're going to throw everything, uh, including the kitchen sink at Vernon Adams in this game. They're going to get at him uh, and try to make him make bad decisions. They're going to put pressure on him uh, and make him panic, uh, make him uncomfortable, because we've seen what Vernon Adams Jr. looks like when he is comfortable. Uh, And when he is able to, he can break you down from the pocket, and if the play breaks down and he can improvise and he can get outside of the pocket, he can run, um, he can beat you deep. There are just so many things he can do. He can beat you outside the pocket too. And if he's in a situation where he's confident and comfortable, it's going to be a long game for your defense. So I think this leaves the potential of either a really bad game for Vernon Adams or a really good game. If he's seeing those blitzes uh, and he's beating them early, I don't think the Eskimos are going to have any answers. So... Yeah, I like Vernon Adams. I like Eugene Lewis. Um, As Hannah mentioned, we don't know if Devere Posey plays this week, which I think uh, probably plays into the hands of Eugene Lewis. And those those two, Lewis and and VA, have had really good chemistry lately. Um, I'm really intrigued by this Alouette's offense for sure. And just as an aside, I foresee a really high-scoring game between these two teams. I can see a lot of points on the field in this game. Me too. And guess what my big money stack is? Vernon Adams Jr. and Eugene Lewis. At one point, there it is. at one point, I had Vernon Adams and Andrew Harris, but uh, for some reason, couldn't make that balance financially. So, pretty happy with my Vernon Adams Jr. Eugene Lewis stack at the moment. Guess I'm gonna have to do something else because I had that in there too. <laughs> but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna copy you. Yeah. I might copy well, you. Who knows? I mean, I mean, there's guys, only there so are, many there options. There are three other players on the roster, so that's true. If those two are there, it's not a huge deal. Okay, we're gonna move to the West, but let's take a quick look at some of the pick trends that Jeff keeps talking about. Overall, stand back. Top player pick this week, Myala second, Bo Levi Mitchell third, Andrew Harris is fourth overall despite his salary, and Eugene Lewis fifth. For quarterbacks, it goes Bo, then Zach Caleros in second, which is interesting to me, uh, followed by Adams, and Trevor Harris is the least picked starter. At running back, it's going Stanback, Harris, Cooper, Jackson, Terry Williams, and then C.J. Gable. And receivers, we've got Mayala, Lewis, Begleton, Wieneke, Adams, Daniels, Lawler, Tavon Smith, Rogers, and Ellingson. So kind of all over the board there uh, with both salary and team-wise. So any big surprises there for you guys? What's the biggest surprise as far as pick trends go halfway through the week? Well, I, I guess 
it's not that big of a surprise, but I am I'm a little taken aback to see how many people are in on Zach Caleros. But I understand that he of of the four starting quarterbacks, and I mean Caleros to this point hasn't even been named starter, but he was taken first team practice reps. But let's assume that he's the starter. Um, he's the least expensive, and it's a fairly significant gap between salaries. So I guess I understand that. I'm a little surprised at Standback at number one, uh, just because. I, we just talked about it. Like I, I don't even know if you can be confident that he's going to be getting the lion's share of the carries knowing the way that Montreal goes about their business. So I would say the number one surprise would be Standback. Not a lot of surprises there with the receivers. Hergie Mayala, even though his salary keeps getting higher, he's still a great value pick, and boy, what a week he had last week. I would say Standback is the most surprising. I'm a little surprised about Standback. I'm surprised... Uh, Hergi Mayala is one of the highest owned players. Uh, number two, I think, on Hannah's list there. Uh, overall of the most picked players. I'm not ready to put my trust in him in him that much. He's been exceptional lately. Don't get me wrong. Really good player. Uh, high upside, and, and I think he's got a, he's got a bright future there. Uh, and the Stamps will throw for a lot of yards against the Bombers, but they're just... They're good receivers in Calgary. I think Reggie Bagleton is, is due for a really big game, and, and I'm not sure I'm ready to pay a premium... Uh, on Hergie Mayala because that price is going up. The other surprise for me is C.J. Gable, and we we talked about him a little bit earlier. Um, Pat likes Shaq Cooper. Hannah likes Shaq Cooper uh, in that tandem situation. I think at the end of the day, C.J. Gable is going to be the most involved uh, of the running backs in the Eskimos offense. He looks good. Uh, he says he feels as good as he has all season, and I think Jason Moss is going to lean on his veteran back. Uh, he's going to snag some catches as well. Uh, and he's, he's going to get a lot of carries. He's going to run the ball. The Eskimos do need to run the ball uh, to have some success. So uh, for Gable being the sixth most owned back this week, I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, oh, that's, that's, that's my contrarian pick. If I'm, if I'm going Trevor Harris and Ricky Collins and C.J. Gable and nobody has those three guys, yeah, I'm risking it a little bit, but I could be in for a really big week. My biggest surprise on that list would be Zach Caleros at the second most picked quarterback, although... I'm pretty sure it's easy to say that that's because of a cost issue. It's because he's half the price of all the other starting QBs. Is it fair to say that the upside isn't that big? Because the one week he did start, we said you're probably looking at around 15 points. And he put up 15.8, I think. So I'm not really seeing the upside there. Do you see a possibility of him having a big game and maybe making that $5,000 salary worth it? I, I went with 15 to 20. I gave, I gave myself a little bit of breathing room on that. And yeah, he barely got me the 15. Um, I don't think the upside is, is tremendous. I, I think you're right. It's a punt play, right? It's okay. It's third and 20. We're not going to get the first down. Uh, we're going to punt the ball and we're going to try to get the ball back for our defense. This is saying, okay, I'm punting the, I'm punting the quarterback position uh, with a really low salary, and if Zach gets me 15 points, that's great. The question is going to be, what do you do with that extra money? Are you getting Reggie Bagleton in your lineup, and is he going off for a three-touchdown game? Uh, are you getting a dominant running back and, and a second really good receiver? Uh, to me, that's going to be the difference um, with Zach Caleros. It is not what Zach does himself, but how you make use of that extra cap space. So, um, that's how I would approach the Zach Calero situation. The other thing that I wonder about is how much of 
the Winnipeg attack will center on Chris Streveler. Center's maybe the wrong word because, yeah, I don't think he's going to be the focal point. And as of Wednesday afternoon, we're not even sure if he's going to be able to go in that game. But I wonder if Streveler's at 100%. How much do they use him as that change of pace? How much do they use him as an option in that offense? And how much is he a red zone option for them? That's the other thing that worries me a little bit with Caleros is the fact that Streveler's healthy he's part of this conversation too so that's that's a really interesting thing to watch for because even when Matt Nichols was the guy he Streveler was still very much part of this conversation I don't think Streveler has to be at 100% to come poach those goal line plays either we saw him limping around at what like 15% health and he still finished out that game in Calgary so I think unless he physically can't run he's gonna be in that game in some way these teams have seen each other twice in the last three weeks. And in those two weeks that they saw each other, Bo was 53 of 76. So 70% in those two games for 687 yards, seven touchdowns, one interception. We know that the Bombers secondary has been an issue this season, but where does Bo rank on your list of choices at QB? I know we like that other game, but how do you deny Bo right now when he looks as good as he looks? Yeah, he's he's definitely a uh, he's definitely a, a big time option and should be a big time option. And you know, let's not forget that the game that the Stampeders played against the BC Lions, they won it, and that was the only thing that really mattered for the Stampeders. It was not the most impressive of games for them. They were not on their game and and I think a big reason for that is that you know the, the urgency wasn't there at the same level once they knew that Sask had won the West Division no Eric Rodgers in that game and I just feel like in a playoff game and with the stats that you just rattled off there Hannah it's it's hard to not think about Bo because I think he's in line for another big game and and I think that this Stampeders offense has the chance to have themselves a really big game as well so I would suggest that you know I I, I raved about Vernon Adams it's pretty close between him and Bo for me well and there's a reason that Bo Levi Mitchell is the most picked quarterback this week right he's that number one guy and we talked about we debated about Vernon Adams and Trevor Harris uh, and we debated about Zach Caleros and the one guy we haven't talked about is Bo. And, I mean, of the high-priced options, I still think he's the safest pick, right? Trevor Harris and Vernon Adams, they come with risk for, for different reasons, but they both come with risk. I don't think there's any risk with Bo Levi Mitchell. I, I would be shocked if he's putting up anything less than 20 points. In fact, uh, against the Bombers, we crunched the numbers on CFL.ca. Against the Bombers, in his last five meetings over the last two years with Winnipeg, Bo Levi Mitchell has 14 touchdowns and just one interception. 325 yards per game. And his quarterback rating is 115. I mean, that's unbelievable. This is a quarterback who has proven uh, that he has the keys to the Winnipeg defense. He just knows how to beat the Bombers. And Calgary... Yeah, the Stamps are coming off a loss to Winnipeg. Um, they lost earlier in the year when Nick Arbuckle was the starter. But in a playoff game at McMahon, I have no doubt that Bo Levi Mitchell is, is going to be playing uh, his absolute best football. I don't want to be that person, but I will be. Anyways, it's currently minus 12 in Calgary. 
Sunday, it's supposed to be minus 14. It's not easy to catch a ball at minus 14. I I think there could be yeah. some effects in that game. This is why most of my money... The ball gets- well, this is not the only reason why, <laughs> but almost all of my money is being spent in that Eastern semifinal. Now, I will say this. Uh, if you were to suggest that to Bo, yeah. he would be... He would he would probably laugh I know. because uh, he he says that he loves playing in cold weather. So he I, said he hopes look, it snows I mean, a ton. I know that's the tough guy mentality. Matt O'Donnell was out there uh, when I was at Eskimos practice. The the real feel was like minus twenty, and he's out there in in shorts and in short sleeves and the muscle shirt. And it's like yeah, you talk a big game and like it gives you an edge if you're tough in the cold or something. It's all it's all a mental thing. Three weeks ago when they were here, it was zero, and it was kind of sleeting. And I saw a lot of balls bounce off the hands of these Calgary receivers who don't normally drop balls that easy. So I'm, it, it can be a factor. Well, wet footballs and cold footballs are two different things. But if you've ever tried to catch a, a frozen football, yeah, it is not fun. That's for sure. No. It, is, it, it hurts, and it's, it's also really hard to do. This is the pre-three-minute warning warning. We're just going to do it really quickly. Um, can you guys the give me... warning of the warning. Yeah, the pre-warning warning. One popular player that you are definitely staying away from this week. I'm going to go Andrew Harris because I just... I don't, I don't see it against that Stan Peters defense, especially on the road. I think that's going to be such a difficult task for him to be a real viable fantasy play. I, I think it's going to be difficult for him. So, yeah, I'm a little wary of, of Andrew Harris. I know that he is uh, he's another West Division All-Star, and I know that he has, has had an incredible season, but that scares me a little bit. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say no to Andrew Harris. Jake Winicky is the player I'm going to stay away from this week. And I was surprised to see him crack the top five uh, of the most chosen receivers this week. But he's just been too inconsistent. He's been too boom or bust. And there have been too many of those bust games. And the Alouettes have so many good receivers. Uh, I think they're going to get uh, Devere Posey back. I know he, he'll want to be playing in this game. Uh, if he's anywhere close to being able to go, he will go. Um, you know that they also have Chris Matthews. I mean, it's a loaded group of receivers. Uh, love you, love Eugene Lewis because of the chemistry he has with Vernon Adams. But I'm just not loving the consistency we've seen um, from Jake Winicky. I think there are better options for your dollars there. Uh, I will go Zach Caleros because I just I don't see the upside. I know that he's going to allow you to do a lot with your roster, uh, but I'm just not going there. Real quick, one contrarian pick that interests you. Trevor Harris, he's the fourth most chosen quarterback. And look, I know that I've got concerns. I absolutely have concerns. But we also know what this guy's capable of. And because of that, I think he's a really interesting contrarian play. I could see him I could see him making some big dividends on some fantasy rosters this week. All right. I talked about C.J. Gable being the lowest-owned running back. I won't harp on that one. Another one I like this week that's not getting much play. Uh, among, among the lowest-owned receivers right now, surprisingly, is Quan Bray. I, I think he's had a terrific year uh, in his first full season in the CFL, and uh, he's had a great rapport with Vernon Adams, and I can definitely see him 
finding the end zone against the Eskimos this week. Really good receivers. Still clearly a little bit underrated as well. All right, lots of good discussion. That means we've hit our three-minute warning. Three-minute warning now, or is it? It is the warning. We are going to make our money picks and our locks of the week, always starting with the money pick. Jeff, who is your money pick? A guy, $3,500 or less that you can fit into your lineup this week. Money, money, money. Uh, I got Rashid Bailey this week. Rashid Bailey is my money pick. Uh, I've been riding him a little bit lately, and he, he's coming through. He's been uh, a very popular target uh, for the Blue Bombers. Showed some chemistry at the end of the last game with with Zach Caleros. And in a game that I, I, I think is going to require the Bombers to put the ball in the air, uh, he, he's a big option. He's probably good for one uh, down the field. And... Hey, he's had six or more targets in all four of his games this year with the Bombers. So it tells you he's an active part of their passing game. And at 2,500, that is the cap breaker that I'm looking for to free up some of those dollars for me elsewhere. Seems like every time the Stampeders play in a playoff game, there is a Canadian receiver who makes a big-time impact. That's why I am going with Richard Sindani because... He's that Canadian receiver who could potentially make an impact. He has not had himself a a huge fantasy season, but he's had some decent games. And at $2,700, you get a couple of catches from Sindani, 40, 50 yards. He can be a nice ad for you. So Richard Sindani, and all of a sudden, if that Bombers team's keyed in on some other receivers, I wonder if that's a guy that Bo finds somewhere in some dangerous areas. So I'll go Richard Sindani of the Stampeders. I like that pick, and I'm thinking about that pick this uh, this week in my flex. The other guy I'm thinking about is Dante Absher, who had a big enough week in that season finale to maybe have caught the attention of uh, VA. 81 yards, a touchdown, seven catches. Might be enough to uh, have them thinking about looking towards him. I think he will be on the playoff roster. All right, lock of the week. This is the tough part. Who are we locking into our roster for this playoff Sunday? Jeff, do you want to start? I don't like this. Can we skip it this week? It's I don't <laughs> want to lock a guy in. No, I lock expect him in. To hit, I expect to hit uh, submit on my lineup at about, I don't know, 12.58 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday. You can feel free to do that as long as this one person is a part of it. <laughs> Oh, that's so difficult. Then I should just make my money pick my lock. Exactly. Um, because I can tell you that Rashid Bailey is going to be in my lineup. Uh, I, I'm going to go with Ricky Collins as my lock then. I, I just think there's too much value there. Uh, a, a player that came out of the gate strong in 2019 was even leading the CFL in receiving yards with a healthy Trevor Harris. Uh, he's got a matchup that he's thrived on in the past against the Alouettes. I think Ricky Collins is a really big factor in this game. Uh, on Sunday and the Eskimos need him to come through with a big one if they're going to advance so Ricky Collins is my lock of the week Hannah already mentioned his name and I think Eugene Lewis in Montreal is ready for a huge game he's at a relatively affordable price for uh, a receiver a number one receiver in this league he's at 7500 and this guy has turned into one of the most reliable receivers in CFL fantasy had a had a good final week he's had a good season so I'm going Eugene Lewis in Montreal is my lock of the week because I think that 
that game is going to have some points. I agree, and that's why I'm taking the other half of that stack with Big Play VA. I know they're up against a tough defense, but they are at home. This is a crossover situation. He's shown that he's resilient in any situation. So I think that he is ready for playoff CFL football. Big Play VA is my lock of the week. All right, guys. Well, our first playoff edition of the CFL Fantasy Podcast is in the books. Remember, there's still two more weeks after this division final weekend, and we're still playing for the Grey Cup, and I think we're all going to be in the same city for the Grey Cup as well. But that'll do it for the... I know! Uh, That'll do it for the semifinal edition of the CFL Fantasy Podcast. Final thoughts. Uh, One name we didn't really talk about. Terry Williams. I've got him on my mind. I think he is the ultimate playoff fantasy X factor. Terry Williams, because he's the cheapest running back, and he's a, he's one running back that will handle returns. And we've seen him come through in big games. He's been awfully quiet recently. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if some people try to get Terry Williams in as their running back in sort of uh, another one of those contrarian moves. Um, to free up some money to spend elsewhere because he, he, he's, he is their primary returner. So be interesting. That's it. That's all. That's it for me. All right, guys. That'll do it. The CFL Fantasy Podcast is presented by Leo Vegas. Head on over to cfl.ca for more fantasy advice. Uh, we've got projections and rankings, as always, from our friends at Daily Roto, as well as those all-important daily lineup notes. We heard the news from Hannah. There's a lot going on. Don't take a zero. That will not help you. There are five players on your team. I can guarantee you if you get a zero, your chances of winning will drop significantly. Also, check out the Waggle presented by Sport Clips, uh, David Sanchez, Donovan Bennett. They got you covered on previews for the two games on Sunday. And make sure to subscribe and listen to us every week. We're on Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, or you can listen to us right on cfl.ca. Okay, Hannah's on Twitter, at HL Nordman. Jeff's on Twitter, at Jeff Creever. Follow me, at Fan960Steinberg. Enjoy the first weekend of postseason action. We'll talk to you again next weekend, getting you set for the West and the East Division Finals. Good luck. Enjoy the football. That's our first edition of Playoff CFL Fantasy on the CFL Fantasy Podcast. Fantasy Podcast.